Thank you for joining us on our LWCC podcast. Right now, you're going to hear a message from our senior pastor and founder of Living Word, Pastor Ruben Reyna. Let's jump into our word. to have a great, great time. Amen. Turn your books over to the Bible, over to the book of Genesis. Welcome, everybody. If you're here for the first time, God bless you. Hope that the Lord will minister to you and just help you out, encourage you, and shake you up a little bit and make you feel better about you following God. And if you don't know God, then you can get on board and let's get going. How many know we're living in the last days? And they're coming quickly. They're talking about the digital dollar. And they say that it's up to the feds to approve it. If the feds approve it, that means we're going digital. We'll never see another dollar in our life. That's crazy. I like dollars, don't you? So that means they could turn you off and turn you on whenever they want to. That I don't like. Chapter 12 of the book of Genesis. Now the Lord said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto the land that I will show thee. And I will make thee a great nation. I will bless thee and make thy name great and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curses thee. And, and in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. And Abraham departed as the Lord spoke unto him, and Lot went with him. And Abraham was seventy and five years old when he departed out of Haran. And Abraham took Sarah his wife, and Lot, his brothers, sons, and all the substance that they had gathered, and the souls that they had gathered in Hidron, and they went forth to go unto the land of Canaan, and unto the land of Canaan they came. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for allowing us to be here this morning. I pray your grace upon us. I pray that you will speak to us. I pray that you will make your word real to us. And Lord, that we're living it right now, just like Abraham lived it. Lord, just help us in the mighty name of Jesus to understand your word. Amen and amen. How many know that sometimes when you start off serving God, you start off excited. You feel like Abraham, that he was called and now he was getting ready to go take all his family and take Lot, his trial with him, and, and go on to a, a future land. And sometimes that's the way it is with us. We get saved and we feel great and we feel like we've been born again and all our sins are forgiven. And we just feel this, this joy, this thing of just moving forward. But little do we know that the things that we're going to face are going to be awesome things. 
that it's not going to be easy sometimes, and yet we're going to be happy in the middle of it because we're serving God. You see, every time you allow God to do a work in your life, you're always going to fail, face obstacles. Obstacles, they're going to come. The giants in the land are going to come and hit you with all kinds of things in your mind, in your heart, in your spirit, and then the battle begins. Just because God promises something doesn't mean we're not going to go through a lot of things. How many can say amen to that? I mean, a lot of us have gone through a lot of things, but the Lord gets us to the place where he wants us. And Paul put it this way in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 9. Paul said these words, For a great door of effectual is open unto me, but there are many adversaries. Many adversaries that are against me. So God opens a door, but doesn't mean that he takes the adversaries away. Sometimes the very adversities that come our way are things that makes us stronger. The more you get hit, the stronger you get. The more you get hit, the better of a character you become. And the more you get hit, the use, you'll get used to it. And then all of a sudden you start changing the way you think. That it's God's game, not your game. And he knows exactly what he's doing. When you think about Jesus, Jesus was supposed to defeat the devil. And he did defeat the devil, but it wasn't an easy thing. He had to die in order for us to be sitting here today. So he had to face adversaries against his own life. In the book of Acts, chapter 14, verse 22, Listen to what Paul says, confirming the souls of the disciples, exhorting them to continue in the faith that we must through much tribulation enter into the kingdom. Much tribulation to enter into the kingdom. So don't think that just because you're blessed and touched that you're going to be okay. Hey, enjoy those moments that you're okay because then the adversity is going to come your way. And when it comes, will you be able to stand and stand, having done all to stand? And when you're standing, then you start developing your faith. Your faith is important. Tell your neighbor, your faith is important, neighbor. You see, if God calls you out, he called you out not knowing where they were headed. You didn't know where you were headed when you got saved. All you knew is that you were born again, but God has a plan for you and he wants to get you to the place where he wants you. But sometimes it takes a little shaping. It takes the shaping of the character to come into the promise of God to see if you are going to remain faithful to God. If you remain faithful to God, you will see all the promises of God and you will see all your children get saved because you decided to go through the adversities that were coming your way. And that is what develops your faith. It develops your faith. Abraham's name is mentioned 74 times in the New Testament. 74 times. And the reason why so many times he brings up Abraham is because Abraham was called the father of faith. In other words, he endured no matter how bad it got. He learned how to allow God's lessons to take place in his life. Sometimes God allows things to happen 
so that he could take your weaknesses away. How many here have ever faced something and it got you weak? And then all of a sudden you look to God and it got you strong. There's always has to be a negative before there's a positive. Because sometimes we think in our puny little brains that everything is going to go just right. Everything's going to be peaches and cream and everything. There's no trials involved. But let me tell you something. The more trials, the more love you get. It's like your wife. The more trials she gives you, the more you love her. I know you don't understand that, but that's what happens. But you'll get it later on. Because genuine faith will always be tested. Tell your neighbor, genuine faith will always be tested. You see, I see couples sometimes and they're like little pigeons up in the air and up in that little cable where the trees are. And uh, they're, they're always going, kurr, kurr, kurr. but that usually happens after the storm. The kurr, because now they're one. So it's good to feel the trials. The Bible says in the book of 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 7, that the trial of your faith be much more precious than gold that perishes it, though it be tried by fire. Precious than gold, though it be tried by fire. Precious than gold. So anytime you see an adversity coming towards your way, strap down. Get a good attitude. I'm going to go through this one. It's going to be a tough one. But I'm going to hang on to Jesus until the trial, until the adversity. God's going to refine me much more than gold. I'm going to come out shining from this one. See, a lot of us are cowards. We don't want trials. You always pray, Lord, give it to Johnny. He deserves it more. Or give it to Lupita, she deserves it more. Or give it to Payasa, she deserves it more. She needs a fix, an adjustment of character. But no, everything is tailor-made for you and I. Tailor-made even when we think we cannot go through it. God says, if you make a choice to stick it out in faith, I will make sure that you will come out more precious than gold. How many of you ladies like your gold, that you're wearing your gold ring? Some ladies, you know, they go, oh, Jesus, hallelujah. <laughs> Big old diamonds. Ooh. You know? Yeah, but that diamond's going to cost you your life when you said yes to that man. That gold ring you've taken, man, is going to cost you living together. And living together means adjustments. Living together with God means adjustments because he is the author of our faith and he knows exactly how he wants to design us because we're married to him. But here's point number one, the testing of our faith, the testing of our faith. You see, there are two types of testings. One from heaven when he talks to you and tells you what to do, and the other one, when you obey, that's when the physical test comes our way. 
So there's two things that I want to talk to you about this. Adversity and prosperity. Say it with me. Adversity and prosperity. So adversity is, is something that will come to all of us. And adversity is when just you just don't like the pressure that you're going through, and yet you have to go through it. How many have children here? You couldn't wait to have one little baby. Then the little baby grows up, and it's a trial. Then you say, his wife says, let's have one more, and you have another one. And then you, because you had the first one, you know more or less what to expect. And by the time you get to the fifth one, you're a pro. That's the way it is with adversity. Adversity comes to test our faith. The more adversity we get, the more we grow. We grow because adversity is good for us. That means when everything goes wrong. That means that when you, when, uh, when the, hallelujah, <laughs> when the light of the end of the tunnel is the headlamps of a, Oncoming train. That means it's going to hit you hard. It's going to hit you hard. Adversity is those trials that just come over and over. How many here have ever had a trial that you thought you would, it would never leave you? How many still have that trial? Don't look at your husband. <laughs> those trials come to camp out. He says, what is your name? Oh, Johnny and, and, and Lupe, whatever. Oh, I'm come here. I, I'm adversity and I'm here to stay with you. For what? To reorganize your life. <laughs> because it will organize you mentally, physically, and spiritually. It will rearrange everything. How many know when you move, when you move your furniture, what do you find? Your lost money sometimes. Your lost rings. Sometimes you just find plain dust. And when you remove all the furniture and you rearrange it, it is perfect and you look at it as nice. But you always remember what you found and how much you had to clean. Well, let me tell you something. Mr. Clean, adversity is coming to clean your life. Rearrange the way you think. I could never get that scripture that says, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. I used to say, how do you count it in joy when I'm going through this hell? I can't adjust my, my, my character to have joy. I found out that you have to create joy. You have to pump yourself to have that joy and to say, if this is God's will, then I'm going to accept God's will and I'm going to come up better than gold when he is done with me. So you might as well, when your adversity comes, your trial comes, you might as well grab a cup of coffee and say, welcome adversity. I've been waiting for you. I know you're coming for my wife, but not for me. Usually it's for you if you're noticing that it's coming. So in the book of Proverbs chapter 24, verse 10, it says, If thou faint in the day of adversity, 
thy strength is small. If you faint in adversity, your strength is small. Wow. You thought you were a giant. You became a baby. Where are you? What? You're where? What happened? The adversity made me this way. They call me peewee now. <laughs> Why? Because you're small. Yes. You're small. So God wants to grow you up into a giant. So the more the trial comes, you ought to say, thank you, Jesus. You love me so much. I hate that I'm going to go through this, but I'm going to adjust my character and I'm going to say, I'm going through this and I'm going to become a giant because by the time it's done, you will be a giant. Because nothing will surprise you. If you're weak in crisis, you're weak indeed. That's another translation. If you're weak in crisis, you are weak indeed. Huh. How many have ever heard your bills come out every first of the month that said these words, Pay me. <laughs> then your wife's turned to your husband and says, give me some money to pay my bill. Well, don't you have money? Then you start fighting over money. Money can be an adversity, especially if you don't have enough. How many have ever fought over money? Well, everybody has that and we don't. We're always poor. Well, maybe God is adjusting your character. Maybe if he gives you too money, you'll act crazy and never see you again. <laughs> right? I've seen a lot of guys get money and man, they go buy a Corvette, a red one, and they're over there. The wife's over there in the kitchen. Hey, hey. <laughs> and the wife, could, she, she just wants to take one of those plates, the flying saucers, and just hit you over the head with a plate, because you're acting stupid. You're acting like a single man when you're married. Adversity does strange things to you. And not only comes in trial, sometimes even it comes in the blessing. You can't handle a blessing. Oh, it's getting quiet in this place. <laughs> but here's the scripture. If you are weak in crisis, you are weak indeed. Well, I'm going to backslide because, man, everything's going bad. I'm backsliding. I ain't going back to living where. No, no, no. I'm going back to living because it gets too hard for me. You chillon. <laughs> you cry, Mary. You're, your mother's probably the llorona. <laughs> probably the lady that they talk about in Spanish that she's uh, running around at nighttime crying. Crying and crying all the time. Let me tell you something. God wants to make you into a man and make you into a woman of faith. He doesn't want you to stay small. He doesn't want you to stay small. He wants you to grow up and grow up strong. Don't, don't you thank God when, you, when your children grow, you know, and, and they become responsible and they have kids and they're responsible paying their bills. They work hard. And, and you see the, your daughters, they grow up and they're responsible. Listen to me. They have learned how to grow in the middle of adversity, in the middle of bad circumstances. 
they grow and they become a testimony to you of what you look like before. Now they look like you because now they're facing the challenges right in front of you. I see all my six kids, they're growing, they're growing. I see all my piranhas, all the grandkids, I see them all the time. <laughs> Grandpa, I need some more money, hallelujah. <laughs> Grandpa, I have a separate savings account just for them. Because man, I learned how to, they sucked all the money out of me. <laughs> you learn through adversity. You notice what I'm saying, you learn to uh, adjust and become a better person. Now tell your husband, lend me some money. I mean, give me some money, husband. I mean, you, you, come on, ladies, tell them to give you some money. Some of you are not even turning to say, Daddy, give me some money. Some of you say, I can't because he's broke. Okay, don't want to understand. Que gacho, amen. So adversity always comes to test our integrity. Always. You will always find out who you are when it, the testing comes. Some of us are so tight we squeak. <laughs> you have become the tin man. We could hear a mile away. You could take the buffalo out of a coin because you're so tight. I can't pay my tithe because my tithe is too much. 10% is too much. Too much. And then God says, okay, well, I'll dry you out. Your money is not going to last in your hands. Because I'm trying to make you into a person of faith. So now I'm going to just let you dry out. How many here have ever had those moments of being dried out where you have nothing? And how many of you have ever robbed God and didn't give him nothing and you dried out? That's happened to me. Stella used to have money all the time. Man, she had money, taking money. I said, why come you got some money? I work hard. How come you got some money? You don't work that much. <laughs> she says, because I learned how to give my tithe to the Lord. Amen. And she was always buying me coffee, buying me stuff. And my, I felt like I had holes in my pocket because nothing would last. <laughs> I, I, I couldn't, and there was nothing there. Finally, I listened to her. I said, I'm going to learn how to tithe. I'm going to learn how to give. And then later on, I had enough money. I was treating her and everything. She would tell me, did you learn your lesson? Uh, it was hard to say yes. <laughs> you know how men are. We're just hard to say yes to, especially your, your spouse. So I learned how to not be a robber in robbing God because I was stealing my own blessing. I was cursing my own self. So my words to you, stop cursing yourself. Don't think like a human, think faith, not famine. Because that's where you're at. You either think faith or you think famine. And that's where the enemy gets you all the time because you don't want to practice faith. So in return, you get the other word, famine. Famine. 
I didn't say the F word. I just said famine and faith. So don't you dare twist it on me, okay? Oh, Lord. Where was I? Amen. Here's the other thing. Adversary, sometimes when it comes, when God gives you your blessing, sometimes you get very proud. Money is good, but if it gets you proud, there's another animal that you got to take care of. It's called pride. Because too many times pride slips in. In the book of Proverbs chapter 30, verse 6, listen to what David said. In my prosperity, I said, I shall never be moved. In my prosperity, I said, I will never be moved. Let me tell you something. Prosperity comes and it goes unless you have the right character. You don't allow pride to come in to make you think that you're better than somebody else. Matter of fact, you become more humble to keep your prosperity, to bless others, to take care of your prosperity, and yet be a good individual when it comes to giving to others. You know, sometimes God tells me, give this money to, what's his name? And I go, I rebuke you, devil. <laughs> How many have ever said that? I ain't going to give my money to somebody else. You start rebuking the devil and God says, I'm not the devil, it's me. They have a need. They have a need. I said, that much money? Yes, that much money. Give it to them. And you know, when I give it to them, a month later, two months later, I get triple of what I just gave. Because I didn't let pride get in the way. I said, I will give it because I have it. Look at how quiet. Oh, my God. The fear of the Lord just came into this place. So adversity is sometimes really hard on a man and a woman. But God begins to prosper you so that you can stay humble and listen to your emotions. That if your emotions are negative, remove them. If they are positive to the word of God, then accept them. Because that's when more comes in. Say it with me. That's when more comes in. Now say it again, more than enough. More than say it again, more than enough. More than again, more than enough. More you're going to hear those words that you just said because you're going to be tested. So when you have it, I have more than enough and I'm going to give it because I know that the Lord's going to take care of me. God will always test your faith. Every man of God has been test, tested, even in God's plan, God always tested the man of God. Because God was constantly evolving their faith, but never arriving to the fullness. You're constantly being developed. Constantly. I remember when Stella couldn't cook, and I told her, make me some tortillas. And she says, I don't know how to make them, but one day she got bold enough to make them. And man, she made me, she says, I'm making tortillas. And she was all happy with her little afro. And she was like happy making them. And then she put them on the kumal, you know, on the thing to, to make them. 
And, and then she says, oh, I got it right here. And, and I, I took a bite and it was already hard. <laughs> so I decided to use them as freebies, frisbees. They were bounced on the wall, Stella, you got to perfect them. Oh, man, I'm so sorry. And she perfected those tortillas to be nice and fluffy. Nice and fluffy, where you put the butter and it just melts, and then you roll it up and you take a little bit. Lord have mercy. How many have had tortillas like that? How many have had the frisbees? That's how you look in your faith. You're pushing frisbees. (laughs) Why? Because. You never arrive to a full faith, but God is always testing your faith. Little by little, you're growing and growing and growing, little by little, and you never stop growing. It just gets bigger. So let faith always be developed in your life. And in your mind, always think, I'm never going to get to the fullness but I'm going to do my best with what I have, with what I have. See, Abraham's life was known because he was always constantly being tested, being tested. You can read all the book of Genesis, always being tested, constantly, wherever he went. God would always call Abraham, and Abraham was there, and he told him, leave your home. He left his home and he, left his, he took his possessions with him. He took his friends with him. He, he went to a land of promise not knowing where he was going. Come on now. That's a heavy statement, not knowing where he was going. He was literally learning slowly and slowly to hear the voice of God and to be obedient to the voice of God. And God was always taking care of him. So all of us have a land of promise. All of us sitting down here, we have a land of promise. But God always is going to promote his promises to you. If you believe him, he's going to promote them inside of you. I know that we're here. Maybe it's not that good anymore. But I know that God's going to promote us into better things. Because we're easy in getting bored. How many here can get bored real fast? You get bored, you know. It's like turning on the TV. You see a foolish movie, you turn it, ah, I don't want to see that. And then you turn it on, ah, I don't want to see that. I want to see that game. Nah, I don't want to see that. You know, you easily get bored. When your best team is losing, ah, they're losing. I'm not even going to see it. (laughs) Easily. But with God, you can't do that. He ain't going to turn nothing until you get it. And he's going to be constantly doing something inside of your heart to make you into a better person because he, he, will, he says, I will bless you in your land. Your land, wherever you're at, he's going to bless you. He's going to bless you. Say it with me. God's going to bless me. Say it with me. Say it loud. God is going to bless me. Say it again. God is going to bless me. Again, God is going to bless me. Now let's switch it a little bit. I am blessed, blessed. but I am expecting more more. because he's the God of more than enough. enough. See, once you get those lined up in your mind, you're going to say it wherever you're at. 
And you're going to find out that it, God knows what he's doing in our lives. But sometimes we're going to fail. Sometimes we're going to be negative. How many here have ever been negative and yet you're born again, you were negative? You get one flat tire, you start kicking the tire. Instead of saying, praise God. No, you start kicking it. And then the other one gets flat. Just to make your life a little bit better. But here's the thing. Wherever God has you, cooperate with him. That's the key. Cooperate with him. Because God has his church for a reason. And God describes the church as a family. And God describes his church as a body. And God describes his church as an army. And God describes his church as a bride. And then a sheep. And then a sheepfold. That's the image that he gives us. Always giving us an image that we are moving forward in a body, in an army, in a bride, in a sheepfold, and we're moving together and we will see what God has. Now let me read you a scripture in Psalm 92, verse 13. Listen to this. Those that he plants in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall still continue being fruitful in old age and they shall be fat and flourishing. So where are we right now? In the house of God? Are we in the house of God? This is his house. This is where God planted you. This is where God brought you. This is where you're growing your roots. This is where you're going through your tests. This is where you're being tested in your character. This is where you're changing completely. You came in one way and now you're living another way. Why? Because you're flourishing right in the house of God. Because this is where you're receiving God's goods. God's goods. But then in the house... He always wants obedience. Sheep don't do whatever they want to do. They're controlled by a shepherd. A bride doesn't do whatever they want to do. They're married to a man. Somebody say a loud amen to that. Yeah, an army, everybody gets into position in an army. They don't do whatever they want to do. They get in position to be in that army. The same way in the family. You don't do what you want to do within the family. Papa and mama have rules and you got to run through those rules. And that's the way the house of God is. This is why sometimes we say, well, I'm not going to do what pastor wants me to do. Well, then you're stupid. <laughs> Somebody's trying to help you and you're trying to say, I know better. Well, then go better. Go better. Do it, do it your own self and learn the hard way. Because before you were a peewee brain, now you're a, you look like E.T. Because you know it all. We've got to make a special door for you. Tell your neighbor, you've got to obey the word of God, neighbor. Say it again to the other one because that one's deaf. You've got to obey the word of God, neighbor. So constantly we are growing, growing, just like Abraham. He builds a tent and he starts worshiping God. And showers of blessings start falling? No, no. Famine occurs. While he's worshiping God, all of a sudden famine breaks loose. And then all of a sudden the strangest thing happens to his brain. He says, you got to go to Egypt. 
You got to go to Egypt because in Egypt there's no famine. And when he went to famine, right when he got there, he told his wife, tell him that you're my sister because you're too beautiful. He made his wife lie. See what pressure does to us? Even the greatest man of God, pressure got onto him, and he said to his wife, you're too beautiful. Pharaoh's going to want you. Tell them that you're my sister or else they're going to kill me. So they made that agreement. You think God didn't hear that agreement? God was developing Abraham, and then what, by the time they got there, all of a sudden the Lord appeared to that Pharaoh and said, you ain't touching this woman. I'm going to curse all your house if you don't let this woman loose because that is Abraham's wife. That king got scared. Let me tell you something. God protects you even in your mistakes. Even in your mistakes. But the Bible says that Abraham left with his wife and left with more than what he had. But there was a lesson to be learned. That God knows everything that you're going through in the middle of your famine. God realizes what you're doing. Don't you thank God that we're in the church and that God is hoovering over us, taking care of us, teaching us. Even when we walk away, he's teaching us and you'll hear that voice. What are you doing? What are you doing? But because you turn like a donkey, you go off. Just like Abraham. And yet God's mercy is still there. And then you learn your lesson. You say, man... I can't do this. I've got to do it God's way. You've got to do it God's way. Don't ever become so proud that you can't be corrected because pride stinks. It's an aroma before God that God cannot stand. Tell your neighbor, humble yourself, neighbor, to God. Some of your wives don't want to humble yourself to me. Now, I'm talking about God now, okay? <laughs> to God. That is a different thing. So as a flock, we have to learn that we're going to hit rough, rough terrain sometimes. And famine might hit us. But the famine that is hitting us might be the biggest blessing that ever happened. <clears throat> Living in Long Beach, we had a, an apartment in and it was a small apartment. We had, I believe we had Angel and then we had Jason. And it was small. And we were just born again. And I started buying furniture and painting it and saying to Stella, this is ours. Nobody can take it away. It's ours. And I remember Jason growing up and Angel growing up. And slowly I started seeing the grooming process of being in the house of God the transformation of what God was doing for them in the house of God. All of a sudden, they, they, Angel became one of the greatest singers. Mijo became one of the greatest husbands. And I, I'm looking at all this, and then I look at all the family, but it all happens in the house of God. The more you come to church, the more your kids begin to catch what you are. That doesn't mean that you just let them do whatever you want to. No, I had strict rules. You ain't hearing that worldly music. I mean, they were brought up with strict rules. 
But they came out really good. Later on, they were listening to world music and all that because they were 18. But they still good principles inside of them. There was nothing that they could do. And still today, the honor comes back to God. Just because we were good parents, the honor comes back to God. How many of you want good kids? Okay, right now, lift up your hands and let's pray together. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, there's a lot of children that belong to a lot of families here. We pray your blessing upon the little ones, Lord. Those that are growing up, those teenagers that are growing up, those that are going to face big things. I pray that the principles and the word of God will just come into them, that you will make us instruments of righteousness to bring up our children, Father. We bind, we rebuke every curse that the enemy is trying to put in the name of Jesus, wherever they're at. We release your angels there to minister your word to them, Lord, that they will not get lost, but they will humble themselves to know you. Make yourself real to them in the name of Jesus. Come on now, say in the name of Jesus. Let it be done, Lord, in our family. Your will be done in Jesus' name. Now give them a good clap offering. Come on. Good clap offering. Hallelujah. 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 <clears throat> so knowing the story of Abraham, not just because you're doing good, doesn't mean that something bad won't happen. But let's keep the faith in the middle of the famine. And believe God because God's going to see us too, through. Complaining about misfortunes is a terrible sin when we serve God. Terrible sin to be complaining for misfortunes. Stop complaining. See that young man right here? It's a good, handsome young man. But his family brought him up in the things of God. And he was a tiny little thing. Look at him now. He's telling me to quit. <laughs> I'm wondering who's the boss here. You know? But he does it softly. He does it softly, real nice and smooth. He's just letting me know, okay, yeah. <laughs> That's the way God is with us. He really knows how to smooth us out. Give us a different spirit to fight for our families, to fight for our kids. It puts that nice aroma on us and we start contending for our children. Fight for your children, just don't let them go. Fight for them. Well, you say, Brother Room, they're lost already. I don't care, that was maybe your heathen days. God's gonna bring them back because of your faith, because of Abraham's faith. He brought everything back to God. I want us to stand real quickly because he's giving me the sound <coughs> which is good for you and good for me. I want you to close your eyes and I want you to examine yourself. Really, really examine yourself. If you're a believer, examine yourself. Am I better now than I was before? Am I still growing now? that I'm older in the things of God? Am I still believing like I was believing before? And if you're a young man, a young woman, and just came into the Lord, Lord, 
Help my unbelief. I want to believe. I want to believe everything that your word says. I want to accomplish everything that you say. I want to see the blessing of God. I want to flourish in the house of God. Flourish. Because this is the place of anointing. This is where the presence of God is. Not only is it inside of us, but it's corporately, even in a more powerful way. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, wherever we pinpointed our failure, I pray for repentance right now. Lord, forgive us for failing you. But today, this year, we're going to revive ourselves. We're coming back to you with a heart of gratefulness, a heart of peace. We just want more of you, Father. We don't want to miss nothing. Especially, we don't want to miss that you're coming back for us. We want to be ready. We want to be full of the oil of God. Lacking nothing. Lacking nothing. But knowing the word of God. Father in heaven, I pray for our church right here. I just pray for an awesome presence of God. Like never before, like never before, that today when they walk out of this place, they will know inside of them that their lamps are full and that the conviction is there. And Lord, that you're starting to guide us through a hard times in the name of Jesus. And devil, stay away from our fields in the name of the Lord. Stay away from our money in the name of the Lord. Stay away from our health in the name of Jesus. Make us better people now, Father, regardless of what age we're in. Make us Holy Ghost people that will never, never give up, oh God. Now give the Lord a clap offering and thank him, hallelujah.